at 9, 9.30, and I'm glad for that. I love these long days. But we had our grandson, Quinn, in the back of the car, taking him home. He came up for the kids uh, on Wednesday night. And uh, we're just driving home, and we're passing the cornfields. We're passing everything. And, and so we turned down uh, the street to go home. And both Jenny and I sort of looked and said, well, last year this field was corn. And now it looks like it's soybeans. It's real low. And from the back of the car, our nine-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Quinn, says, well, don't you know, they have to change the crops, otherwise the soil goes bad. Who told you that? You have to rotate crops. Oh, I just know these things. <laughs> so I don't know where you heard it, but it was right. Then we got up to the corner, and that field that was beans last year is now corn, and it's going to get high, and we won't be able to see the other side of the uh, street until we get up to, the, uh, to see, but right now we can see through that. But uh, around here, we watch things grow. Around here, we have a lot of fields that are growing, you know, all those things that we talk about. Uh, many of you have your gardens, and they're beginning to produce a little bit of fruit. They're looking like fruit. That looks like a tomato where it ought to be. The little peppers are where they ought to be. So you're having that. Maybe your lettuce is already coming. Things are growing, and it's beginning to show that sign of fruit. And it's coming. It's, a harvest is on the way. I think all of us love the harvest time. We like things that grow, and then we like things that produce the fruit that we desire to have. We've watched, uh, you know, and all, all winter we're waiting for spring to come, and we wonder, are the trees ever going to get their leaves? Are dandelions ever going to come out again? Oh, there they are. We're glad. No, we're not glad. But anyway, they're here, and uh, farmers begin to prepare their fields, and then uh, they begin to plant the, the corn or the, the seed into the uh, ground and it begins an expectation in faith as it were believing that if we do these things at the end of the season we're going to have fruit we're going to have what we planted and we're beginning to see strawberries some peas are coming and um, all those kind of things are happening and that's wonderful we anticipate it and we all like that fresh stuff that comes out of the garden harvest time but truthfully I personally, even though I enjoy all that, and I can't wait till we get some of that good sweet corn to eat, but truthfully, I really delight as your pastor, but also just in my calling, what God's put in my heart, I delight to see harvest come when God's word is planted into lives and they see the, the harvest of God's working in their lives by the word of God, that seed that has come that thing that's going to grow up into a harvest of righteousness to see change taking place. And, and, it, and, and kingdom is seen. And Jesus' life begins to be seen. What kind of fruit is that going to have? What changes are going on in your life that's happening? And I delight in that. I, I, someone said, well, what, what is the most joyful part about being a pastor besides retirement? No, no, no. I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to die here. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, but it's, it's uh, what delights us more than anything is when God's people grow up in God. And they love God more than anything. It isn't the buildings. It isn't this and that or all the other things you might think. It is really 
when people grab hold of what God has said, like this morning, the greatest joy I have, when I, and I really believe that it has happened, is when you touch God and God touches your heart and you fall in love with Jesus a little bit more and you walk away from the old stuff and come into the new stuff, that's joyful to me because that is the evidence of the seed planted in you and in me that produces a harvest, something that really becomes happening. There's faith increase. Uh, and I've been talking, last, last week I talked about as we're living in last days, how are we going to be faced with difficulty and produce fruit? It's easy to stop. Uh, I've talked to some of you that get in your garden going, and say, boy, we'd like to have some rain here. Why? Because it seems like growth has stopped a little bit because it isn't being watered and we don't see all of it coming. The other day it was really raining up here just for a short period of time. I called Ed, who of course lives next door in his garden. I said, listen, I don't want to be a bad neighbor, but your garden is screaming praises too loud for rain. I cannot even, those tomatoes, they're off key, but they're singing loud. Would you stop it? He said, oh, they're growing, they're growing. You know, we love to see the harvest. We love to see something happen in the hard times. Judges 6, I, I, I'm not going to preach Judges 6, but I want to refer to a time in Israel's history when they were in perilous times, when they were in a hard time, when things began to be hard, and how, what are they going to do about it? It's easy to just go into survival mode. I'm just going to tuck it in, bunker down, I'm going to quit, I'm not going to do anything. But that's not God's call that we, he calls us to be fruitful. Here's the story of Gideon. Chapter, Judges chapter 6, I'll begin in verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I'm going to reference that phrase when we get back to the book of Psalm chapter 1. But they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they got themselves in a place where they shouldn't have been. Let me go on. For seven years, God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive that the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped out on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravages. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. It was so difficult, their time, that any time what they put their hand to in order to produce and get blessing, to get food, to get survival, it was taken away from them. I don't know about you, but it seems like we're in a, almost in that time period where things are happening, where inflation is roaring, that what you're trying to collect and you're trying to, it seems like the enemy is right there taking it away for whatever, just removing it from you. And it's a time to cry out to God. But the question is that, that, that when they cried out, what was God going to do about that? How did they have to respond? Well, God grazed up Gideon to deliver them. But prior to his coming, a prophet showed up on their door in verse 7. They cried out to the Lord because admitted that he sent them a prophet. 
And the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you haven't listened to me. You haven't listened to me. You've gone away from me. You've turned to other gods, Baal and Asherah. You could read the story. And he said, now you find yourself in a place where you're not walking in God's deliverance and blessing. You are under the rule here because you have begun, which is a terrible thing to do, but, but you've joined them your enemy, to worship their gods. And that's the story of what they did. But in the middle of that, God called Gideon. He said, I'm going to use you. And here, look at verse 24, chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord said, 23, the Lord said to Gideon, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So he built an altar to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. This was a revelation of God in the midst of a battle. And he said, Gideon, I'm going to show you who I am. And I'm a God of peace. I'm a God of all that peace, Shalom, means. Of wholeness, of completeness, of, of rest, of prosperity and blessing. All those things, that's who I am. You need to know who I am in the midst of this battle. And church, the same word comes to us. We need to know the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, in the midst of where we are. In the battle, you're going to find me to be this, God says. Now, I want you to go to Psalm chapter 1. Again, I would love to go longer into that uh, story, but I'll let you do that on your own if you continue to read it. It's a wonderful story of God's leading and God's deliverance. But last week, we touched this psalm, Psalm 1. <coughs> excuse me, in Psalm 2. Some would just say that Psalm 1 and 2 are the foundation psalms of the whole collection of 150 psalms because Psalm 1 will speak to a person's needs, a, a person issue, a personal, like he's talking to us. Psalm 2 talks to the nations. Psalm 2 begins to de declare to the nations the world, a world that says, now look at Psalm 2, Verse 1, why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. Basically, God says, says through, the, through, the script, through the Holy Spirit inspiring of this particular song, he said, the nations have risen up to say, we don't need you or your God, and we're going to eliminate you. We don't like you. We don't want you. We're going to live our way. We don't need the Bible. We don't need your, your, your testimonies. We don't need anything. But I want to remind you that people are lost without God, without hope. They're in darkness. They don't know what they're doing in a sense, except that they're raging against the way, the truth, and the life, the Lord Jesus, against God who sits in heaven. In verse 4, it says, the one who enthroned in heaven laughs. He said the Lord uh, scoffs at him. Look what God said he's going to do to the nation. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. 
And down in verse 12, he said, kiss the son or he'll be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. His wrath, God's wrath can flare up. God laughs at and judgment's going to come. So we have to get a, a global view here that God is going to deal with the wicked. God's going to deal with this onslaught of darkness that, that we're experiencing and has been for centuries. Go back to uh, Psalm 1, though. And I want to hit this a little long, uh, more. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one. Blessed is the man. It begins by declaring and shouting a blessing. Blessed. There is prosperity. There is peace. There is blessing that comes to that man. Now, I need to affirm to you this fruitfulness, this person, that there is no timeline on this particular scripture. This, this will go through centuries, millennial, millenniums. It'll go through centuries. It'll go through decades. It go through, goes through generations. It doesn't stop. This blessing that is in the word of God right now doesn't stop because the Bible, okay, came into its completion back in the day, okay? No, this word still stands. Blessed is the man. Blessed is that person. Blessed is everyone. So that's how he starts off. There's blessing for you, that person, blessed is he. And we saw three things that he said to avoid. And I told you back in Judges 6, 1, he said, Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel had done what the avoidance words are. They began to fulfill what the word of God says here in Psalms, don't do. He said, blessed is the one, and then he defines three things to avoid. That, what does it say? Who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. What did Israel do? They saw around them the other nations. They had already been given the, the Mount Sinai law the, 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 in the Torah. They were given that. They, they were given the instruction. They heard from God how to live, how to live in peace, how to live in the, the blessings of God, how to do that. But what did they do? They began to walk in step with the world around them. He said, God said, don't do that because when you're observing this in step, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, walking with them, thinking about them, you're going to be moving them because the very next step is, is that you are going to stand in the way that sinners take. That's what we talked about last week. I think you know that. You remember it. Because he said, what happens, you're walking along in this scene and suddenly you just, well, let me look at it. Let me stop here. Let me observe what's going on. What did they do? Israel began to look around them and began to amass, bring to themselves the gods of the peoples around them. They had already seen how great God was, but they said, well, that's old stuff. I don't want that anymore. I think I'll take this God. I'll take the Baal. I'll take the Asherah pole. I'll take this. I'll take that. And they began to stand there. And the next follow-up with that is the next thing that happens, they're just going to park it. They're going to sit right down here, and they are going to be in the company of those that mock. This is what Israel had done. God has watched this trouble, and God said, I've got to deal with you, and I'm going to come. And God does bring judgment. God is a good father. He will discipline his children. They did evil. 
God said, I'm seeing them. Just, just real quick, look down verse 6 of chapter 1. God watches, for he watches. Psalm 1-6, he watches. I, I don't want to, yes, I do. I want to shake up your perception of God. I want you to understand that he has watched me all through my nighttime sleep, all through my waking moments, all my thoughts. As I got up, he watched me. He observed me. He watched you. He watches us. He watches. And nothing misses his attention. He's omniscient. He knows all. He sees all. He isn't far off. And we've got to be aware of that. He saw what our hearts were doing when we were taking communion this morning, whether you meant it or not. And I'm not judging whether you did or not because I don't know, but he does. I've taken the table, Lord, many times with my heart a thousand miles away. I'm not proud of that, but I'll admit it. Then when it came to a sacred moment with God, where was I? Oh, I was thinking about what I'm going to do this afternoon, maybe tomorrow. And, and that's, I'm, I'm just reminding us of where our heart needs to be. God needs our hearts to be focused on him. He's looking for a blessing to bless me when I'm in the right position in my heart, in my walk with him. And so he said, don't do these things. And then he goes on. He, he says, uh, I want to give a blessing to a person. And I want to bless the person that doesn't do this, doesn't sit, doesn't stand, or sit in the council, doesn't do all that, but a person that delights in the law of the Lord. Look down there. Is in the, the instruction of the Lord. And he meditates on his law day and night. It's, and meditation is not just a thing about putting it into action. Put that into action, you're walking in it. Then he said this. That person... That person who's blessed is that one who delights in the Lord, meditates on his word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in his season. There's fruit coming. We're talking about harvest. We're talking about fruit coming out of us. Here it's coming. And he said it's got a season. Listen, God arranges and orchestrates our blessing by planting us, putting us beside his life-giving life water. It's a stream of life. It's, it's living water that he gives us. And he brings, uh, he brings seed to us. He brings fruit out of us. The fruit that he wants for us in his time. Even in today, I can believe and I can fully trust that God can bring fruit out of your life and mine at this time it needs to come out. He can bring it out in its time, when it's ready. You know, we've all had that, uh, somebody gave us things that weren't quite ready in the harvest. Oh, they're hard. Some things never ripen when they're plucked, up, plucked off the vine or whatever, but some things will come about. But we've all had that experience. But God has a time for me. He's got a time for you. But in the meantime, his word is growing in us. God is growing, and there's going to be fruit. But it's always by his living water, his stream, his, his flow of life that comes. And he says, you're going to yield fruit, and your leaf isn't going to wither either. Well, that's pretty, pretty descriptive. Whatever you do is going to bring about a growth and a blessing and prosperity. God blesses his people. Now, now he's going to contrast on how he deals with the wicked. He said, look at here, not so the wicked. They're like chaff, 
like that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. They're like chaff. They're, they're going to be blown away. What we look at right now, and I've, I've fallen in this, I, maybe you have too, it looks like the world's winning. It looks like evil is so far that can it ever be turned around? Can people get saved? Anymore? Is it just so evil that I can't do anything about it? That, that evil is going to overcome every level of my life and yours as it's crowding in. But God says, listen, judgment's coming for them. I'm going to blow them away like chaff. It's just going to blow away. It's not going to stick around here. I've got things under control. God laughs at that. God laughs at a nation that thinks that they're going to be able to stand and do. God has this thing under control, church. God knows what's going on, and in the midst of us, he wants you and me to be fruitful because we've been planted. We have the seed of the word of God in us and is producing fruit. I want to go to Psalm 37, if you go there with me. I've debated on, on doing this psalm, but we've got to do it. It's, it's, it's looking at the big picture. I, I thought to, today as I finalized and everything, I said, I only want to give you four to five verses. But then I read them, I said, I've got to give you four or five more. And then I read them and said, you need these four too, and this six here and all of them. So hang with me on this because I want you to receive this word of God, get it into your heart so that you can be fruitful and stand. Listen to this, Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil. I could stop right there and stop a lot of our thoughts, our wrong thoughts, a lot of our attitudes, a lot of our behavior. He said, don't you worry about them. Don't get yourself fretting about those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Well, Lord, they, they seem to get, they keep going. They, they, they get benefits. They get, they get uh, reprieved. They don't get arrested. They get promoted. They don't, what's going on? I, boy, I wish I could get away with some of that. No, you don't. You don't want to get away with any of that stuff. But you're envious of those who do wrong. He said, don't do it. For, look at verse 2, for they, for like the grass that will soon wither, like green plants that soon die away. That's what they're going to be. They're like grass. They're going to die away. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I don't know if you want to make notes of this. I do it all the time when I see things that God says where it said, don't fret, underline that. Trust, I put that. Dwell, I underline. Take delight, I under that. Commit your way. And you begin to look and see these are words that God's given me to live by. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he'll do this. He will make your righteousness, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. This is about the third time he said that. Don't get worried. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. You're going to get the blessing of the Lord. 
it's yours. A little while, verse 10, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, for the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. Look back at Psalm 2. The, he who sits in the heaven laughs at this. He said, I know what their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Are you, are you applying any of this to a newspaper or uh, the Internet when you look at news? Would you please put God's word over what's happening right now? This is how we don't worry. Why? Because now I've got a God's eye view. I have God's viewpoint. I'm getting a biblical viewpoint of what's happening. So I can what? Be fruitful that I can walk in the Lord. Let me go on. Verse 16. Better the little the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spread their days under the Lord's care. And their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they'll enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish, though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field. They'll be consumed. They'll go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. Are you still listening? Are you walking with this? Look at all this. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he'll not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then the psalmist said, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken of their children begging bread. They, will always, they are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Parents, grandma, grandpa, what a prayer that God says, if you walk in my ways, we're going to pass on blessing to the next generation. Lord, I'm, we're trusting you for that. We're going to walk in that. We're going to claim that. Speak that over them. Verse 27, turn from evil, do good. Then you'll dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. I'm at verse 28 now. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom. Their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. Well, the wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned to when brought to trial. Again, hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you're going to see it. I've seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxurious native tree. But he soon passes away and was no more. Though I looked for him, I couldn't, he could not be found. Verse 37, consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed, those with no future. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold when everything is good, everything is fine, everything's going your way. Is that what it says? It says, for he is their stronghold 
in time of trouble, in perilous times, when it seems like evil is winning, when it seems like things are in disarray, God said, listen, let all that happen. I've got that under control, but you've got to understand that my salvation is coming to you. Verse 40, the Lord helps them, delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Live in Psalm 37 for a while. Get this into your mind and heart that God has a plan for you and me. Blessed is the man that walks not, stands not, sits not. But he's delighting in the law of the Lord. He's like a tree planted right there. Look at the big picture. Blessing, care, protection, stability, never forsaken. Hope in the Lord. Keep his ways. Take refuge. All of those things. And what's the purpose of all that? That we might be producing fruit in tough times. This requires a real look. It's a real look to see it from God's perspective. You might look around and say, I'm not seeing it. I'm struggling. I mean, I'm getting beat up at work. I'm not seeing the wicked. I'm seeing them prosper. I, I don't know what my world's happening. But I've got to keep looking at God's perspective. How? I received the implanted seed of the word of God in my heart. We'll talk about a lot more about that next week because it comes to us and comes in us. I remember that little girl that she was, uh, family was going to plant a garden, and she said, Mommy, I want to do that too. And she put her seeds in there. But every day she went and dug it up to see if it was growing. I don't see nothing, Mom. Well, you got to let it go. Next morning, well, nothing's happening. Put it back in. We are like, we're, we're like kids. We want it now. It would be delightful to me if you just read Psalm 37 and your entire outlook changed because of this one scripture. But I know what it's going to take. It's going to take me and you to meditate on the word of God. Say, God, I want to look at things through your eyes today. I'm not going to dig around and see what's going on. I just want to see that you're in charge that you're going to take care of this. It's not my job to take care of it. It's your job. My job is to be fruitful, to trust in you, to walk in your shalom, to be at peace, and to understand that you are working in me to produce fruit. And for some of us, you're going to be surprised because one day, out of your mouth is going to flow something that ministers to somebody in a way that you said, that came from me? It was the fruit of the word of God that got planted in you that you can look to a neighbor or a friend or somebody in the grocery line or wherever it is at work and said, listen, God's not shook up. He's got all this under control and you can trust him. I'm finding that he is peaceful. He's got my heart. He's got my life. He's taking care of me. Do you want to know him? And you can point him to Jesus and you, and you come back. Because we've all said, I've heard testimonies. Man, I was so surprised because I'm talking to somebody, and all of a sudden, out of me comes all this stuff. Guess what that was? Fruit came out. Couldn't help it anymore. It had to pop through the surface, and there was. And it wasn't just a lemon. It was sweet. It wasn't sour. It was sweet. That lemon's wonderful, too. God wants to work in us. Last verse I want to look at real quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I mentioned this last week as well. Because I think... My feelings are, according to the word of God, that God is bringing things, greater pressure, greater things are happening. We're almost like Gideon's time. 
Can't get anything going here, but it's time to be fruitful. It is time to walk in God's blessing. Just for sake of time, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Paul's going to refer to what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul, only servants. You see, they, they had gotten themselves looking around again, and they said, well, I, I like Paul's teaching better than Apollos. You know, we're with him, you're with them. And he, and he writes in the verses early, he said, you've got all this envy and jealousy and strife going on, quarreling, stop it. Stop that. That's not, quit, you're, you're acting like, like the world acts, so don't do that. He said, what is after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither one who plants nor the one who waters it is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have a purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You're God's field. He, he, you belong to him. He's purchased you. He's bought you with a price. He has right to you because he made you. By creation, he has a right of you. By preservation, he's keeping you alive. He has right to you because he's bought you with a price. What did Paul plan in them? He said, I give you the word of God. He, and then God's going to bring about the harvest. What does Apollos do? He's watering it. He's putting the water at the time. But God said... All my seed's going to be planted. It needs every part. Just like a farmer. The farmer, you know, he gets people to go do the work. Here, sow seed. Get it out there. Get it out there. And all of God's seed is good. It's to be planted. Seed's not the problem. Usually it's the soil that's the problem. Whether we're going to receive it. Jesus talked about that in one of his, his parables about this seed. My word to us today is we've got to be diligent in taking God's word into our hearts. Every devotional you read, every scripture you read, every sermon you listen to, every Bible study, whatever that is, you take it in and you allow it to say, Holy Spirit, bring that word into me because I belong to God. I'm his field. His seed's gonna come into me and I wanna produce fruit and more fruit and I want increase and I want the blessing of God to come out of me. We've got to bear fruit. But I love this part. God gets the leftovers. Is that what it says? No. The increase. He makes it increase. We want shortcuts. We, we want to take the shortest way to get there. God said, you just allow me to do in you what I need to do. We've been at his table. What a gracious table of the Lord this morning. But his word to us is that we grow. And we give them a heart and say, Lord, bring your word to us this day that we can produce your fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, patience, self-control. Lord, bring that out in us today. Would you stand with me, worship team? Come. Just bow your heads with me. Would you say, Lord, I take your word this morning as seed to my heart. I receive it. I receive your word. Now, Lord, please make it grow. Whatever it takes, Lord, that I would grow in you, that I would become more like Jesus, that the fruit that would come out of me would be the fruit of life and the fruit of the river of joy, 
that living water flowing out, I pray. What is the Lord saying to your heart this morning? Would you receive it? Just say, Lord, whatever it takes, I will bear fruit in the season that you have for me. I receive that, Lord, today. Again, Father, we desire that your kingdom be established on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, use us. We're your field. Work in our hearts and out to our families, our marriages, our lives, our children, our work, everywhere we are. May you be seen. Bringing glory to you. That's our purpose. We're awaiting your return. Lord, we want to keep busy while, you're, while we're waiting. Occupy till you come. We're doing that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you our hearts. It's our desire to do that in Jesus' name.